Penn State fans, just how fired up are you about the start of this season in a few weeks? Are you pretty jazzed up, pretty jacked up, fired up? We're going to talk about that a good bit on the podcast today. This is the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Just a few weeks left until the season opener. Penn State ranked number seven in the coaches poll. We'll see about the AP poll this week, probably six, seven, eight, somewhere around there. Uh, But certainly a tremendous amount of excitement and enthusiasm for this upcoming season. I just want to ask you again, it's it's just a simple question you can post in the comments here or whatever, just how fired up are you for the season? I remember going back to the start of the 2020 season, Penn State was ranked number seven in the country going into that season. Uh, But that was just such a crazy year, 2020. Uh, Obviously, we always remember the the COVID year. Um, Penn State started 0-5, the worst start ever by a preseason top 10 team. And so a little bit of irony that they were number seven in the AP poll going into 2020, uh, number seven in the coaches poll, probably number seven in the, in the AP poll we'll see this week. Um, but it's just different, you know, going into that 2020 season, we knew Micah Parsons was not going to play. He had opted out. And you just had no idea what was going on with college football in 2020. But you look at this season, a top 10 projection, all of the talent that they've got on both sides of the ball. There are question marks, clearly, wide receiver. You know, will Drew Aller live up to the potential? But when you talk about, you know, what you, the fans, are, are thinking, th- this is why I like to hear uh, comments and feedback from you guys. I, I'll i be starting up my new daily radio show in Altoona and Central PA on August 28th. I was off for the summer. Uh, after uh, being on the air for a long time here. So I'm going to be starting up my new radio show here in Central PA in just a couple weeks. What I love about that is I get instant feedback. So if I ask you a question, how fired up are you, man? How how jacked up are you for the start of this season? Well, uh, I'll get a half dozen phone calls and I'll hear from people, oh, God, this is great. I can't believe uh, you know what Penn State could possibly accomplish here these next couple of years. You know, we don't always get as much quick feedback, you know, on podcast or anything like that. But I've got to think, if you are a Penn State fan out there, and I'm talking to all of you listening to this, uh, I got to think that the sky's the limit in terms of your hope. I'm not necessarily sure that your expectation should be the sky is the limit. Look, you you can hope all you want, and there's plenty and plenty of uh, reason for hope. Um, the expectation, I, look, I've still got them going 10 and 2. I still think they lose Ohio State and Michigan. They've got to win one of those two to get to the college football playoff. But certainly the, the hope is this could be a college football playoff year, an 11 and 1 season, contending for a national title, and, and next year certainly as well. But as the season draws closer and closer, I, I got to think the more. You study and look into the team, look into the roster, look at what they've got, see the schedule. Oh, man, it's it's got to be a glorious time for fans. I was talking to a buddy. I'm not going to go too down down into this rabbit hole. Believe me, I just I just don't want to. Uh, but I was talking to a buddy uh, on Friday afternoon who knows Penn State history very very well, and we were talking about everything that happened a decade ago. Uh, during and after the scandal and how 
we really couldn't talk much about football for a few years. You know, it was all these other things. And then that all started to change in 2016 when they won the Big Ten title. And it's been more just about football uh, really for a number of years now where we, we can have all, you know, just really in-depth football discussions. And it's so cool when you think about um, – Look, this part's not cool when you think about everything that happened, but you think about where the program is right now, all of the excitement, all of the uh, momentum, and we can have really in-depth football discussions. We can dissect this player, that player, this position group, that position group. It is amazing. It is amazing how different everything is, you know, a decade later. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer and go down that rabbit hole, but... Wow, it, it, when I'm when I'm talking about you, the fans, your expectation and your your hope after 49 to 10 against Michigan in 2016, you had no idea what was going to happen with the program. Many of you wanted James Franklin fired. Then they come back, beat Minnesota, they beat Ohio State, and the program trajectory ever since then has been terrific, save for the two year crazy period from 2020 2021. But Number seven in the preseason, in one preseason poll, we'll find out about the other one. This is what sports are all about. When you know your team is going to be good, you don't have a, a huge number of question marks. I mean, look at Ohio State. Uh, I think Penn State's going to lose to Ohio State. The game's in Columbus. It's going to be very difficult. We don't really know what to expect from Ohio State's starting quarterback situation. We think it'll be Kyle McCord, but they've had so many good quarterbacks for so for so long are they just going to be able to continue that plug and play? And Ohio State's just going to be awesome. And we do, we know that for sure. Yes, they've got outstanding players on both sides of the ball. And Marvin Harrison, I'll tell you what, you give Penn State Marvin Harrison, I would maybe pick Penn State to win the national title. You give Marvin Harrison to Penn State. Uh, and, and then we, you know, I, I think that's the kind of game changer because the wide receiver situation is still very, very much a question mark. You're going into a season with all these hopes and dreams for the program and your top receivers are Keandre Lambert Smith, who was very much up and down last year. And Dante Cephas, who's transferring in from a Mac school while he's got a lot of upside. Again, he's never played this level of competition week in and week out, but getting back to the glass is half full or three quarters full or 80% full or whatever you want to say. There is so much reason for optimism. If Drew Aller can live up to the hype, if the wide receivers can be just good enough, because there's a lot of ways for Penn State to win a lot of games. And there are questions for everybody else. Georgia's got a new quarterback. Alabama's got a new quarterback. The one team I think is the biggest concern is Michigan. But Michigan comes to Beaver Stadium. So that's going to be a very, very difficult game for them to win, even with a quarterback in J.J. McCarthy who has a, a solid season under his belt. But I will agree with one thing Jerry DiNardo said on Big Ten Network earlier in the week when they their crew visited Happy Valley for a practice. He said the biggest obstacle will be that Michigan running game, their downhill running game. They just get it going because they're built like nobody else in the Big Ten. And look, while Penn State should have a tremendous, tremendous defense, we saw what happened against Michigan last year. If you're not ready to stop that downhill running game, that could be trouble. And J.J. McCarthy, I do think, will, will will be tough. But, hey, a few weeks to go. If you're not excited, if you're not jacked up about all this as a Penn State fan, 
Uh, and I look, I know one, <laughs> I don't know if he's going to listen to the podcast. I'll text him about this and he knows who he is. I know one Penn State fan who's just kind of a, he's just kind of a miserable, sad sack about some things with, with regards to Penn State. He's a big Penn State fan, season ticket holder, goes to a lot of games, goes to all the games, has been to bowl games. Uh, but he, he gets kind of sour on Penn State. I, mean, I gotta, I gotta say, even if you're, you fall into that category, there's no reason to be overly pessimistic about anything regarding the program right now. Uh, Welcome back. Uh, This is going to be a quick segment here, but there is something I wanted to uh, address came up in a question from a reader during my live cues file during the week. It was a good question. It's from a reader uh, named Scott, who always asks a lot of very interesting questions. And I'm not trying to pick on Scott at all here. Scott's very well informed. Seems to have always have a good feel for what's going on in the program. It's just a question. Maybe kind of got under my skin just a little bit. And I'll, I'll explain why. He, he says. Uh, Thoughts on uh, Abdul Carter moving to the middle linebacker position if Tony Rojas is ready to start. Uh, Curtis Jacobs and Tony Rojas flanking Abdul Carter could be a scary good linebacker group. That's true. Hey, nothing wrong with that. It's a good question. Um, but what what bugs me a little bit, this is a pet peeve of mine in college sports, and I understand why it happens, but this this falling in love with these really young players before they've done anything. And in, in, in particular on this one, it's with Tony Rojas. And we've, we've seen and heard and read all kinds of good stuff about Tony Rojas. He's put on 20 plus pounds and he came into the program, you know, with a lot of hype. I'm not saying Tony Rojas won't be sensational right off the bat. Abdul Carter was last year. Micah Parsons was a couple of years. It's possible. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I just, I, 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 those kinds of questions bother me to the degree that this assumption that true freshmen are going to step in and just all of a sudden be world beaters. I don't, I don't really buy into it in college football. Yes, absolutely. 100% it does happen. Nicholas Singleton last year, Katron Allen last year, Abdul Carter last year. So again, I'm not picking on Scott and Scott can come back and say, well, look, look at Abdul Carter last year. It could happen with Tony. Well, sure it could. But here's what I want to mention to to all of the Penn State fans out there and college football fans who just love or people love recruiting so much. And you get on these message boards and and you you read all this stuff and all this hype about these kids. And, and they were they were the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, and you think they're going to be. You know what? The overwhelming vast majority of high profile recruits don't live up to expectations. They just don't. I mean, they, they, they don't. A lot of them do, but I'll, I'll guarantee you a lot of, a lot of hyped four star, major three star prospects, you know, you look at their career and while they might be good here, there, it, it, it's become so hard for these kids to live up to expectations because we put, such tremendous expectations on them before they have ever done anything. I did a podcast segment a few weeks ago on you know the recruiting component and how it gives these sick kids a sense of entitlement 
um, that they before they've really earned it in college. And and I think fans do that. Fans put all this emphasis on these kids. And hey, look, Tony Rojas might be phenomenal. Might be the best freshman linebacker in the history of the world. And if he is, that's great. My expectation for Tony Rojas this year is he's going to get some playing time and he's going to play behind some guys that are better than him. And he's going to learn. He's going to do some good things. He's going to set the bench most of the year. And, and you know, then maybe next year or two years from now. But I, I just when you're a pro, when you're a top 10 team, you're a top 10 team because you've got a lot of good players, a whole bunch of good players. Penn State's got a ton of good players on both sides of the ball. James Franklin has talked repeatedly about the depth, 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 depth. And the depth is what makes them such a strong program right now. But it contradicts with this notion from some fans who cannot wait to see the young players in action. You know what happens here? We got these recruiting sites. They're very successful. They spend so much time writing about and talking about all these young players. They whet the appetite for everybody. And I get it. Fans want to see the next big thing. But when you've got a top 10 program and you got a whole bunch of upperclassmen really everywhere on both sides of the ball, um, let's just let's slow down a little bit before we just all automatically assume, you know, some other true freshman is going to step in and be great. Maybe he will. And if this gives anybody, you know, fodder for the end of the year, I told you, Gogger, he, uh, Tony Ross is going to be awesome. Great. That's awesome. I hope he is. I'm going to assume he won't be. Though, okay, because I'm going to assume that college football is unbelievably difficult to play for most high school kids the very first year that they step into a program. Abdul Carter is an exception, a drastic exception. Micah Parsons was a drastic exception. Nicholas Singleton, a drastic exception. Okay, your first year in a college program, they're going to be ups and downs. You're going to look great sometimes. You're going to look overmatched sometimes. I mean, even Michael Parsons had to learn the linebacker position uh, his true freshman year. So, again, I don't want to go on too much too much about this. I just I, – I tend to fall into the category of show me something before I am just going to sing your praises like you are a superstar. This is why I don't cover – recruiting a tremendous amount because I I would prefer to write about guys who are already on the team and who have accomplished something in college football more so than just assuming that these young guys are going to step right in and be able to accomplish something huge right off the bat. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are podcast. We need to stop calling them student athletes. All right. Because college athletics doesn't care about them as students. Can we can we can we own up to and admit and be realistic about that? I'm talking football and basketball here. Okay. I'm talking about the fact that Oregon and Washington are going to be in the Big Ten. And you've got all of these athletes that are going to be traveling all across the country playing games and this and that for the lesser sports, the smaller sports, the Olympic sports. They're going to be traveling all around the country, you know, 
uh, and getting jet lag and flying over here and over there and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, they're student athletes, right? No. College sports, quite frankly, have become a pathetic endeavor with regards to the notion that this is about education. All right. I'm not saying anything here that quite frankly, if you disagree with me, I don't even know which, I don't even know where you're coming from because we we have used the term student athletes forever. A couple of years ago I said I'm not going to use it anymore. I'm going to call them athlete students because the schools care more about them as athletes than they do students. And while that part of it has probably been true for a long time, now there's so much money involved that I, I, I'm going to ask, I'll ask everybody a question. There's really no way for you to answer this, but just ponder my question. Do you think these universities care about these people as students at all? At all. You know, I really hope that the answer to that is yes. And some places care more than others. You'd like to think that Penn State still cares about the academics. At the same time, Penn State's going to be sending its athlete students out to Oregon and Washington, you know, for, for various games, flying cross country, women's volleyball. You'd have to imagine what, I don't know, what's going to happen with baseball. You know, how's all this going to play out? All right. And so all this conference realignment is chasing the almighty dollar and the, the notion that these people go to college to be students and to better their lives. While yes, that is still true, I think, for most of them. The fact of the matter is that these universities are using these athlete students. You know, they're all using each other. Yes, they're getting a degree. The, 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 the younger people are, but we, it is so off. It's so skewed the way the whole system is set up. It's, it's, it's maddening to be perfectly honest with you because I, maybe, maybe I'm old school. Maybe some of you are out there like, what the hell are you talking about, man? It's been like this for a long. You know, I don't know that it has. I, I'm 49. I think I, you know, I'm growing up in the eighties and the nineties. I, I, and maybe even in the two thousands, I do think that college was about education. You know, I don't think the, I don't think the TV money was just so outrageous 20 years ago. Yes, it was in professional sports with the SPN and the NFL and Major League Baseball and the NBA and all that stuff. But in terms of college, how long ago was it that student athlete, that phrase still fit? Because it doesn't fit anymore. I don't, I'm not just going to make a blanket statement and say the universities don't care at all about these kids as students. I think they care, but do they care much? Even Northwestern, look at what, what, what allegedly went on at Northwestern. Northwestern is one of the great academic institutions in the world. Hazing, alleged hazing. All these athletes in all kinds of various sports have come forward at Northwestern claiming all kinds of things. And again, if that kind of crap can happen at Northwestern of all places, uh, you know, it just, it makes me roll my eyes and shake my head because here we are a few weeks away from the start of college football season. I talked about in the first segment, if you're a Penn State football fan, you got to be all jacked up, man. You're ready to go. 
big hopes and dreams for this season because it's about sports. At the same time, the way college athletics have been bastardized really over the last generation or so, I think is pretty damn appalling. I don't see any end to it. Yes, the players have more rights now with the transfer portal and they can, they can up and go. And we've seen what kind of circus that's caused when you combine the transfer portal and NIL and they are getting their money. When are they going to be employees? When are they going to have to pay taxes on their scholarship money and their, uh, uh, their other school money? Cause that's probably going to happen at some point. So I guess what I'm trying to say without, you know, being too negative here, enjoy the sports. Enjoy the games, but know that the system that we have in place now, quite frankly, is a joke. And conference realignment, adding Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten, the possibility, slight, remote, I don't think this is going to happen, but the possibility of adding Stanford and Cal to the ACC that's effing ridiculous, man. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Stanford and Cal, two of the great education universities in this world, they're, they're going to be 2,500 miles apart. I, I don't, I didn't see, do, do the math between Stanford, Cal and, and Miami. That's got to be close to 3,000 miles. You're going to do that? No, no. Look, I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think the ACC is going to want them. There's other issues in play there, but that's where we are. The whole system to me has gotten so out of whack and is, has been so bastardized that you, you, you look at it and you think, where are we heading with this? Will, will sanity raise its head ever again in college athletics? Will we ever be able to say student athlete with a straight face? Because these college football players are athlete students. Basketball players, especially on the men's side, are athlete students. They're up and transferring left and right all over the place, especially in, in men's college basketball. The money, the, 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 the quest for the almighty dollar has gotten so outrageous. So look, I'm not trying to preach here, uh, about, but it's just, especially the Oregon Washington stuff, the Cal Stanford possibility to the ACC. What the hell are we even talking about here? What are we talking about? You know, college sports has been regional our whole lives. And it is sad. James Franklin said, quote, last week, somewhat sad. I think Lane Kiffin said it's sad. Not that I want to go around quoting Lane Kiffin a lot because he's wacky as it gets. But it is sad. College football my whole life has been a regional kind of game. You get used to regional rivalry. Not anymore. It's a national game. It's a professional sport. These are athlete students that are themselves chasing the money because the schools have so much money. And it's, it's disheartening, I guess, is, is the best word I can use for it because the games, the games are still fun. The games are still exciting. The drama is still there. The backbone of it, the system that is in place now is pathetic. All right. I'll wrap up with that. Hopefully I'll have some more good things to talk about next week on the podcast. Appreciate everybody tuning in.